Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create and grow income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Are you tired of trading your time for money? Do you desire freedom today instead of retirement in 10, 20, or 30 years? I'm MC Lobsher, and this is the Cashflow Ninja. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobsher here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today. In today's show, we're going to take a look into the world of centi-millionaires and family offices. My guest in this episode is Richard Wilson. He is the CEO of Centi-Millionaire Advisors, LLC, providing performance-based family office solutions for $100 million and up net worth families. He is also the founder and head of the Family Office Club, the largest community of registered family offices globally with over 1,750 private investor members. In addition to having 6,500 participants attend 25 live conferences hosted per year, various divisions of the Family Office Club include pitchdex.com, investment certification programs, and investor directories. Richard has spoken over 250 times in 14 different countries at industry conferences. He also has the number one best-selling book, most listened to podcast, and most visited website in the family office industry. Richard shares his insights from his work with clients through his publications. He has written the first book on single family offices and the only books written on both how to start a family office and on centi-millionaire investments. If you're interested in joining our investors group, you could go to cashflowninja.com forward slash investors group and fill out an application form and or email me at info cashflowninja.com to start the discussion to see if you're a good fit for our group. And if you're in the Philadelphia, Bucks County and Southern New Jersey area, we are hosting a live investors meetup event every month in Newtown, Pennsylvania. For more information on the monthly event and information on how to join us at our next live event, you can go to cashflowninja.com forward slash events. If you are like many of the listeners of the show, you're always looking for unique ways to protect and grow your hard-earned capital. But sometimes that's easier said than done. The key to investing late in the cycle is identifying favorable opportunities on a risk-adjusted basis. That's where our friends at ASIM Capital come in. Since 2011, ASIM has helped more than 300 accredited investors allocate more than $20 million to mobile home parks, cell storage, and workforce housing due to the ability to generate asymmetric returns while protecting their investors' portfolios. If you're interested in learning more, head over to asymcapital.com. That's A-S-Y-M capital.com to get instant access to their investment offerings. MC Lobshire, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast and also the president and chief wealth and investment strategist of Producers Wealth, where we help our clients integrate cashflow banking, also known as infinite banking, with their business and investments. If you're interested in learning more about how we create strategies that integrate cashflow banking and investments to turbocharge them, you can access a video series at yourownbankingsystem.com. That's your own banking system.com. Richard, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me here, MC. Yeah, looking forward to this. Always uh, love the, the information that you put out, your podcast, your, your interviews, and all the other content, books, and so forth that you have. So excited to connect with you again. And 
Um, love for my audience to listen on uh, in on this as well. Um, for the listeners that are, uh, is not familiar with you and what you do, can you give a little bit of a uh, uh, of a background on yourself and your journey? Share a little bit about your journey. Yeah, sure. So I've been in the the ultra wealthy investor space for twelve years now, and I'm CEO of a company called Centa Millionaire Advisors LLC. So essentially, we're advising uh, Centa Millionaires, people that are worth hundred million dollars plus for the most part, some that are a little bit below that level. And we built this firm by also running the Family Office Club over the last 12 years, which is essentially a community and a platform for anyone who uh, would like to connect with family offices. It might be a tax advisor, they might be offering a hedge fund or private equity or real estate development firm, or they could be a, a family themselves trying to figure out how do I structure my family office? How do I deal with the liquidity event that my father had seven years ago and now we're trying to figure out who to trust, you know, with our assets. So we're really squarely in that space. And just like you doing this podcast, we just believe in putting out information into the world through books, videos, YouTube, uh, et cetera. And the more we put out, the more, you know, friends that we make in the space and the easier business goes. Yeah, you uh, touch on one point there. And this is actually how I became friends with some folks in the space as well. There's a liquidity event, right? Somebody sells mm -hmm. a business for 500 million or 700 million, you cannot go to Google and type in, what do I do? I just sold my business for 700 million. <laughs> so, so now right. you're going into a different direction because there's different advice and so forth. What are some of the biggest things that you see um, that the average person does in contrast now with what these Ascenta millionaire families do? Um, and what are some of the things that that's just right off there, low hanging fruit that, that is just stands out? Yeah. Well, um, on a, on a bad, on the bad case, what some of the Ascenta millionaires do, if someone's listening and they have had that liquidity event, uh, oftentimes they overspend on a very expensive single family residence right after a liquidity event. Oftentimes, they overspend in general their first nine months to two years. Many times, they look around and they're not sure who to trust. But the effect of family offices, the centimillionaires who are now becoming you know, billionaires, I see, are focusing. And they're trying to make it so that as high percentage of time as possible, they're spending their time in the area where they created their wealth or where they're putting a stake in the ground and saying, hey, we believe in stem cells or cannabis or the combination of self-storage on multifamily real estate properties and we're just going to invest most of our proactive energy in that little space. They might hire a private bank, a multifamily office to manage their funds and stocks and bonds, et cetera. They might find a couple independent sponsors in the real estate space to allocate real estate and kind of pick things deal by deal. But then they're usually saying, let's focus our energy in one or two areas that we're not going to outsource, retain control, and really use our entrepreneurial background to drive value into that space. And by having as much of their energy as possible invested back into the space they know best, then they're spending their hours playing the game that's going to produce the most value per hour per day for their family. So that's something that's pretty unique. And I think that it's, um, when people talk about the wealth management industry, it's usually for the mass affluence or the high net worth, just a diversification game, trying to make it so you don't lose too much money when the markets go down, you track the market decently well when it keeps on going up, up, up. But at the end of the day, they're not there to make you worth, you know, going from 200,000 to 20 million. Like they're not, you're not expecting your wealth advisor to do that for you. And the difference with having a family office is that different segments of the portfolio will be meant to either be defensive, you know, uh, be cash flow in real estate or to spike up the wealth long term. 
And that's very different from a normal high net worth individual's kind of wealth management portfolio. Yeah, I, I almost find like usually that one to 100, because with, with the center million families, that's really when you get the, the family office kind of planning style. They're almost mm-hmm. sometimes like the most, uh, how can I say, like underserved uh, clause or I would say uh, niche in the overall wealth management because you have folks that have done really well in their businesses. I'll give you an example. Somebody builds a business that's $50 million and now they have a significant net worth, but you find some of those individuals still giving some money to a Merrill Lynch broker and hope for the best, right? Where for it's, sure. Yeah, where they don't have the comprehensive planning style that's in a family office. One of the things that you touched on is aligned with their strengths, and they focus, and that's the game that they play, um, their investor DNA. So you had mentioned if their passion and their interest and their knowledge space and their skill sets is around stem cells, that that's where they're going to double down and focus on and increasing that. That's one of the, the, the main differences that I see as well with the average folks that then, you know, that are not in a family office planning style, but the average person that's kind of spreading it all over the place away from their investor DNA, away from their strengths and their skill sets. Yeah, for sure. You just brought up so many different things that would be uh, good to touch on real quick. I mean, one is a lot of people just keep their old wealth advisor after a liquidity event and they don't upgrade it to a family office quality solution. And yeah. the problem is that most private banks, trust companies, multifamily offices are not equipped to work with somebody worth 30, 50 million, 100 million. They're not equipped to help you on direct investments. They're just gonna want you to put money in their reach or their fund managers, keep it on their nice little platforms. They can click a few buttons, allocate to people on the platform and produce a nice report for you easily. You need someone who all day long is working with family offices. So you're not the learning curve for them into the space and you are their average client. That's really important. But also in what you said, a big mistake by I think high net worth clients and mass affluent clients is that many times they are getting kind of a diversification in their direct investments. So they're like, oh, well, I'll put an investment in this mobile app and this cannabis startup and this other, you know, real estate development startup group. And they go to early stage and they do ideas that are not proven, teams that are not proven, the operations aren't proven. They're just taking a flyer on it, hoping for a 20 times return. When really, if they're working as an IT consultant and they know IT, then probably they should be only doing IT investments and then using a wealth advisor to diversify and play defense in part of their portfolio and going into real estate that maybe uh, plays off their IT knowledge, like investing in a data center or a warehouse serving the Amazon.coms of the world today. That would leverage their knowledge of IT to conduct due diligence. You can just imagine, even if you do it to something everyone can relate to, like real estate, whether or not you know senior living or self-storage or data centers, once you look at 20, 30, 50 investments or properties or fund managers in any of those spaces, if that's what you're focused on, by the 50th one, you're going to see which one's an anomaly, which one's more credible, which has more experience. Everyone says they have industry standard fees, who's actually charging double fees, who has more aligned fees. And if you diversify yourself to an extreme on direct investments, you don't get that feeling. You, don't, you can't move up 18 different learning curves. You can move up one or two or three with hundreds of millions of uh, assets under management. But even multi-billion dollar families don't go out and say, we have 13 different industry areas that we're looking to dominate. Now they say we have maybe four at most, usually one to three. 
So I think that's a big lesson for high net worth and mass affluent is like, what unique game are you playing and how does that play off of the opportunities in the market and your unique DNA as a person or family? Right. And investing in their business um, and constantly investing in themselves, right? Where the contrast that to the average person um, invest their energy and resources into someone else's business. And then also then the money that they generate from that value exchange, where does that go? It goes back into other people's businesses, you know, in the stocks, mm-hmm. funds, and mutual funds and investing in Apple, you know, uh, great products, but uh, they, they'd, they'd be okay raising their own capital and using some of their own cash that they're sitting on to invest in their own business. They don't need the public to do that as well. The folks, people can invest that into their own businesses. Uh, one thing that, um, I thought about quickly is marketing has obviously changed, right? And these family offices and, and the, the families that we're talking about has usually been very, very private, under the radar, flowing, uh, floating underneath there, and, and, and right. no one really knows, right? Because real money sleeps. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the first lesson that you need to know about really wealthy people is that it sleeps. Right. It does not jump out up and down at you. Um, but um, Marketing has changed a little bit in, in, in the space, and so these families and their strategies have uh, adopted uh, just from reading and following your content as well. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's why you know, we've been able to grow Centimillionaire Millionaire Advisors and the Family Office Club is because, like you said, everyone's very private in the space. They don't want to talk about what they're learning publicly because they don't want to be identified as someone who's ultra wealthy or everybody's going to call on them and pitch them or try to scam them perhaps, et cetera. Uh, one of my family office clients is worth about half a billion, has been blackmailed 12 times, and he's a great guy. But when you employ lots of people, you know, people try to come after you for all types of reasons. So for that reason, when I got started, I saw that there were trail guides and experts on the stock market, on penny stocks, on biotech, on any industry. But as I tried to learn more, there was no thought leader in the space. And so I just started publishing what I was learning, meeting with family offices, sharing trends. I got my book deals, speaking on stage globally 150 times. And then we started hosting our own events, writing books, et cetera. And so now it's kind of self-perpetuate perpetuated. And it's just now that the general public is hearing about family office structures, but most ultra wealthy have never heard what a family office is, even in the United States, even in New York City. So globally, it's a very early trend. And if you are a real estate professional listening to, the, to this, studying the family office industry can pay dividends over decades because you don't need to get 40 private investors to finish your capital raising round. You might just need one or two family offices and then maybe some of your most loyal, smaller private investors. And just one or two new family office investors per year over time can really transform your business. And um, I think that that's really important to consider because they usually add strategic value, not just a higher dollar amount. They're usually able to open doors, they have your reputation, a balance sheet can help with lending, et cetera. You're listening to The Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is a show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. My friend Dave Zook says, you can be conventional or you can be wealthy. Pick one. Dave and his team at The Real Asset Investor have syndicated many successful real estate and ATM projects over the last decade. Now his team has an exclusive opportunity for investors in the coal space. Do you want to be part of an energy project that takes conventional coal and cleans it up 
by extracting liquids while releasing almost zero emissions, the sale of these liquids can produce strong double-digit cash flow and aggressive tax benefits against ordinary income, all while using America's number one most plentiful resource in a responsible, efficient manner. Now that's non-conventional. For more information on this exclusive opportunity, you can visit therealassetinvestor.com or contact the Real Asset Investor team at info at therealassetinvestor.com. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the United States. Our simple proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Learn how to find the best deals by downloading your free copy of The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing at noradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. You're listening to The Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is the show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. Now let's return to our interview. We've had Richard on the show before. Fantastic episode where we really dive into what is a family office. So we're not going to revisit that entire episode. So go to cashflowninja.com or on the app that you're listening to, type in uh, Richard, and then you will fi- you will you'll find you'll find that episode. Um, just to briefly touch on that in like one or two sentences to describe what a family office is. And then also, how, what steps can folks listening to you and me having this discussion take as far as um, what can they do to kind of uh, sit, sit about this blueprint that's out there? What buckets can they establish to simulate sure. what's going on in these offices? Sure. Uh, a family office is just a more holistic, more well-rounded solution for the ultra-wealthy. If you're worth 10 million, 30, 50, 100 plus million, then you have more complexity, you have more needs, you have more service providers all around you. And you need one because a small mistake might cost you 50,000, 200,000, half a million dollars. And you could pay for a full-time team, perhaps just avoiding those mistakes and having things be less chaotic, less stressful, more focused, more effective for you, both on playing defense, regulatory concerns, and playing offense. And then usually when you're setting one up, uh, we find that a lot of families uh, have really bad, outdated, or no estate planning they're not doing advanced uh, tax optimization, setting up charitable foundations. Sometimes you can buy a private jet and uh, advance, you know, write off and accelerate the depreciation of that. Uh, you can do cost segregation. There's conservation easements. There's just how you bill internally for different expenses within your family office to optimize. Oftentimes, family offices at 10, 30, 50 million plus are paying double what they should for custodying of assets. They don't have institutional clearing and custodianship. So they're paying just off the street, just normal private banker type fees for things. And the fees saved on that alone can sometimes pay for setting up your family office. And then as I hinted about earlier, it can just help to really think about when you say, oh, I want control of my investments because I'm an entrepreneur, what does that really mean? And if you look at the three compartments of traditional diversification of wealth, cash flow in real estate, and then direct investments. And then you look at what type of control you want in each of those three buckets. There's really six layers of control. Uh, then you can really get a sense for, okay, well, out of the 18 potential areas that we could be in full control, it only makes sense to be in control in nine of these areas or 15 of these areas or four of these areas, et cetera. 
And at uh, centimillionaires.com, we have a whole data room of resources, including uh, our free book, Centimillionaire Migraines. And it has in there a chart. And if you read that book, it just takes an hour and a half to read maybe. Uh, that there'll be a chart that shows you the 18 different layers of control you can have within your portfolio. And it's a good thing, I think, for anyone to look at who's coming up on being 10 million net worth, just to get in the mindset of what are the top headaches of the ultra wealthy and think about how the remedies for them could help you in growing your net worth or being more effective, whether or not you are ultra wealthy yet or not. Uh, the concept of a family bank, because um, that's one of the things that I wanted to talk about uh, as well, because a lot of things happening within these families and using obviously the Rockefellers um, as, a, as an example, there's a, there's a lot of transfer of knowledge, a lot mm-hmm. of intellectual capital, because it's the intangibles that's so important to these folks, right? Relationships, right. ideas, uh, and, and, and knowledge. Um, I thought if you could uh, speak to that a little bit, how this is this intellectual capital is transferred, and then maybe tie in this 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 concept of the family bank and how this plays into it as well. Yeah, sure. Uh, when I got started in the industry, maybe some of you are just learning about it now. Might think, okay, family values. Yeah, that's important. You know, let, you know, tell me how they allocate. Tell me how to get a check from them. Tell me how to get a deal closed. But what I've realized over time is that when a family passes on the wealth it's going to get destroyed and the family is going to fight with each other and stop talking to each other. If it's not accompanied by family values, the wealth creation story, some principles, some governance policies, some ethical policies, because otherwise you're just giving the kids enough money to go live in Monaco or South beach, Miami and drive their Bugattis around and $5 million condos. And they're going to probably get addicted to drugs or just have no purpose in life. So I'll have no challenge at all. And so the point of having the values transferred is to have the next generation live a fulfilled life, a life where they're personally growing themselves, where they're contributing to society, adding value to clients, and that's how they're continuing to grow the family wealth. And so a family bank can be set up so that there is a informal bank, but it has formal rules. And lots of times families will do something where they say, okay, well, you get enough money for your first house, education, graduate degree, Uh, And we'll give you money in a trust account for a medical emergency that's approved by the elders in the family. But then besides that, you're only getting additional inheritance by applying to the family bank for a distribution that has to be used for buying a business or starting a business. And that business plan has to be approved by the family members that are older in the family. And then that way, if you want to inherit more money, it's by acquiring five Little Caesars pizzas or by acquiring three auto body shops or a nail salon or a music teaching lesson franchise business, et cetera, that you have a personal passion in so that you driving that business forward and producing profits over the years is how you grow your inheritance and inherit money is through adding value and growing the entrepreneurial spirit of the family. And in that way, if, if family members don't want additional money, then fine. Maybe they just want to be a pre- preschool teacher Maybe they just want to teach music lessons themselves, et cetera, and they don't care about money. That's perfectly fine. But if they do want more money, that's given through entrepreneurial acts, not just through you know, the fact that everyone in the family should be worth $10 million or more so they can do nothing the rest of their life if they want to. So that's how a family bank can operate. But really, you can set up any rules you want to to enforce whatever values you want. If you're, if you're a family worth hundreds of millions, you might want to set up the value of philanthropy and have the family bank be helping people set up their own foundations. And it's all about giving the money away. So it's all gone in a couple of generations. 
or so the percentage of interest earned each year is given away, et cetera. So it just depends on the family. But a lot of entrepreneurs want to pass on that trait to next generations, I've found. Yeah, I, I, I'm so happy that you started with an overall, overall overview and then ended with philanthropy because I think that's what a lot of people think, right? When I think about, oh, you know, the families and the values and that kind of stuff is just the foundations mm-hmm. cutting checks. And that's not the first thing that these folks do with their kids because otherwise there's also a different mentality of, well, there's this money everywhere. I really don't have to go and create an exchange value, right? Yeah, yeah, you're so right about that. Because uh, if somebody grows up going to a 40,000 a year preschool, and they know their parents have, you know, five houses, and like one of my clients, he's got four private jets, and, um, you know, they're constantly traveling around, that is their normal life. And most entrepreneurs who are self-made first-generation wealth uh, grew up going to a public school, not having enough money in their bank account to go eat wherever they wanted to, not going to private schools. And it was having to be hungry and thrifty and resourceful and watching at that exchange of what they pay for money and what they get in return was very important. But if you grow your kid up saying, hey, run our foundation, just give away money all day long. It's like the opposite of entrepreneurial activity. I would never have my kid do that. I might have him go and visit and see the children that were taken off the streets of India and given an education to see the positive impact, but I wouldn't have their brain filled with 80%. Hey, there's money coming out of our noses. Let's just spend all of our time, giving it away. If the goal was to inspire entrepreneurism and, you know, continuing that family value, not that there's something bad about helping people. Uh, but just that if you want to breathe the next generation to be somewhat resourceful, uh, it's a dangerous thing to do. I think. I just wanted to brainstorm a couple of value exchanges with these families and their family offices because um, money at this stage, I mean, that's not the primary driver at all. It's the exchanges of value um, and supporting causes and so forth that helps people to get access to it. It's not asking for money it's <laughs> or, or, right. or, or money itself. What are some of the things that folks can do to add value and provide value to members of these families or family offices and become a person of interest around that to eventually down the line in the big picture, become a person that becomes a resource for that family office or family. Sure. You might be able to introduce them to other families in their area. If you can confirm they have areas of investment interest in common and invite two or three local families to a single lunch or dinner and introduce them to each other. You might be able to find out what their exact investment strike zone is, keep that in mind and source a deal for them. You might be able to employ somebody in the next generation of their family with an internship while they're still in high school or college and help them build out their resume with your own real estate company of some type. Uh, We've helped a $10 billion company import their product before into the United States. They didn't have access to the space. So we had uh, my executive assistant at the time fill out some paperwork, register ourselves as an importer, and got their product into the United States for them just as a favor to the uh, the multi-billion dollar net worth family. Uh, You could help them find talent for their team. Uh, You could help them in sharing lessons you have learned while working with other families or just turn them on to a podcast recording that might help them uh, or a book or resource or infographic that'd be highly relevant. Um, Many times families have a need for upgrading their solution providers and they really wish they had more deal flow of a very specific type. So just, just listening before pitching and then just being very thoughtful and meditating on how do I add value before asking for anything will separate you and then doing everything for the long term and not thinking about the short term monetization, but just thinking, how do I build trust and stand out 
and show them that I'm committed to my craft for the long term in whatever space you're in uh, that you want to work with them in long term, but also show them that through your generosity and thoughtfulness uh, of how you approach them. Richard, uh, key trends in the space that you're keeping an eye on uh, for 2019. What are some of the things that are interesting uh, in and some developments there? Uh, use of the word virtual family office, which is a really leanly operated small single family office where you outsource just about everything except for one or two professionals. Um, also, the trend of multifamily offices and private banks just failing to serve the ultra wealthy on direct investments a lot of the time. Uh, I see that as a big trend. Uh, also, the growth of the use of the word centimillionaire in general. Everyone talks about billionaires, and there's 12 full time reporters at Bloomberg reporting on billionaires which there's 3,000 of, but there's 55,000 centimillionaires. They have less gatekeepers. They're less famous. There's less people on the team, easier to work with. Uh, there's far more of them out there. So in every industry, there's many more centimillionaires to work with than billionaires. It's just easier for the reporters to track down who these 3,000 billionaires are and stay on top of them. But it's much more meaningful and important for business owners and real estate professionals to connect with centimillionaires than it is billionaires. So as we continue to grow centimillionaire advisors and the family office club, the whole centimillionaire trend, I really feel like is like the term family office 12 years ago. Uh, we're still like in the second, third inning of the whole family office industry maturing. But I think we're on the first pitch or two of, you know, centimillionaires and that term being used. Even though the term's been around for decades, it's going to be used more and more in the future. So those are some things. Also, you know, for the last three years, everybody's been saying sometime in the next 12 or 18 months, the real estate cycle is going to, you know, maybe slow down or maybe come to an end and it continues to, you know, move forward. So I think Donald Trump being reelected um, is something that's just on the minds of real estate investment professionals, you know, keep an eye on interest rates and what Trump is doing. Um, I try not to focus on things that are like temporary time. I try to focus on evergreen principles and things are just going to be true over the medium to long term. But since the cycle has lasted so long, it's, you know, it's something that's top of mind when we have our investor summits at the family office club. It, it always comes up of how much longer is the cycle going to continue. Fantastic. You have a ton of resources. Um, there's a lot of events, books. Where can uh, the listeners um, get access to all of this? And where can they follow you and stay in touch with all of the projects that you're involved with? Sure. There's, uh, there's three quick places just in 30 seconds. The first is familyoffices.com. You can see all of our events coming up. If you click on membership, you can see what it's like to join the Family Office Club. There's a free book there on Family Offices. If you are ultra wealthy and you're looking for help in developing your family office solution, the best place is centimillionaires.com. And if you click at insights on the top, you can get our free book and the whole data room of resources. If you're on the real estate side or you're running an operating business and you're raising capital, then capitalraising.com has, has an 80 page book and advice on how to raise capital. And that might be the most helpful place for you to go. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show again and sharing your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners. Richard, always a blast to connect. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me here. Take care. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic market and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments, Penumbra Solutions, 
at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. Thank you again for joining me on the Cashflow Ninja. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here, please subscribe, rate, and write a review for our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at cashflowninja.com. I want to thank you for spending your most precious resource with me today, your time. Until next time, my friend, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.